Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and worship with us today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word and for you to reveal even more so your glory to us. We thank you and honor you that the word that will be proclaimed today will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We bless you and honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are to our fourth episode of our series called Amazing Grace. And it's all based out of the book of Galatians. And on this day, we're going to be in Galatians, the fifth chapter, starting at the 13th verses. If you remember, we talk, we've talked about how Paul, through all this time, was talking about how wonderful it is to operate and to be a Christian. How there are blessings that come by being one of the chosen of God. He also brought up the fact that we have people that try to manipulate us into acting a certain way in order to prove that we are Christians. And then he even had to get involved with a situation where the folks that were the Jews that had come to visit Galatia, that they tried to make some rules up, and he had to kind of say, we're not, we're not all about those rules. We're about understanding that it's by faith are we say through faith. There's nothing that we can do in order to be acceptable to God. We have to accept the gift that he's given us. And now here we are in the last chapter of his letter to the people of Galatia. Galatians, the fifth chapter, starting at the 13th verse. And one of the things that I really want us to, to see today is the fact that God, when he sent Jesus to be our replacement for this punishment of sin, did not relieve us of a word that we don't like to hear today. And that word that we don't like to hear today is responsibility. We don't like to be responsible. We'd rather everybody take care of things for us instead of us having to take care of things ourselves. Now, wouldn't it just be easier if we didn't have to go to work, somebody would go to work for us. If we didn't have to cook, somebody would cook for us. If we didn't have to go to school, somebody did our homework for us. And you know, some of us really are, uh, probably live that kind of life. Y'all was those bullies in school, and you made folks do your homework for you. I ain't asking you to, to confess. I'm just saying, if you did that, then there's probably some folks that are like that. But, Whenever we endeavor to do something, we have to realize there's a level of responsibility that comes with it. You know, there's a level of responsibility for doing nothing. Y'all ain't catch that. Everything has a level of responsibility. Even if you don't want to do something, you become responsible for whatever it is that you're not doing. <laughs> and so... As we look at these scriptures that we're going to talk about today, 
The one thing that I want you to understand is that when we talk about this word freedom, freedom also has a level of responsibility. There's some things that we are going to be required to do in order to accept this freedom that we have. And one of the most important things that we see in Galatians, the fifth chapter, starting at that 13th verse, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can see it on the wall. It says, uh, this is the English Standard Version, says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. One of the things that we have in, in this nation, the United States, is the fact that we have liberty, which means liberty is the ability to do things without persecution. Freedom means that we are delivered or removed from something, something that had us uh, under control previously, no longer have that control. And so Paul, in this very first verse, this 13th verse, he brings out this fact that, hey, you have freedom. You're called to this freedom. This freedom that you now have in Christ is calling to you. But do not get it twisted. Don't use this freedom or this liberty or this ability to do things selfishly. The whole purpose of this freedom is so that we can help one another. Help each other. Be responsible to one another. To help someone go along a little bit further than they could by themselves. So we have this freedom. And so he says this whole law, this whole uh, law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what is that one word? That one word is love. You know, this word love has been repeated throughout scriptures. We heard what is called the Shema, the Shema of Israel, which is hero Israel, that the, the Lord our God is one God. And you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he adds to it, he says, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And somebody asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he says it again. He says, you should love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then there's another that's like unto it with the same amount of intensity, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. One question that you hear a lot of preachers talk about today is the fact that the reason that we, it's hard for us to love our neighbor as ourselves is because we have an issue with loving ourselves. We have heard all these negative things about how we're not capable, how we're imperfect, how we have all these problems. And so we have this problem with showing love to other folks because we don't know how to love the person in the mirror. He goes on in the 15th verse and he says, But if you bite 
and devour one another, which means if you start all this disputing and this, this fighting among one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. There's a saying that if you go crab fishing, that when you catch your first crab, you put it in the bucket and you got to put a lid on it. Once you catch the second crab, then you no longer have to put a lid on the bucket because the crabs will keep pulling each other down trying to get out of the bucket. And the same thing, this is what Paul is bringing out. He says, if we're fighting and, and you're trying to keep this person from succeeding because you're trying to succeed and you're doing all this thing against each other instead of helping one another. If you love the person, you want to see them progress as far as they can. Am I right or wrong about that? If you love someone, you want to help them to grow to be the best that they can be. That's why sometimes parents look at their children and say, I can't believe you my child. Because the child doesn't want to do anything and they just want to just hang out. And the parent says, but I've, I've raised you better than this. I've done, I've shown you love. I've done all this stuff for you and now this is all that you want to do so sometimes love is not all about making a person feel good but sometimes love has this ability to cause us to want to or cause us to push another person to succeed but the bottom line is that i want to bring out about it this is that if we do not look at or assist one another through the lens of love, then we are going to cause the other person not to succeed as far as they can or could. Think about your life. Think about the things that you've gone through. And the person that you most gra gravitated to was the person that showed you love, the person that took time out, the person that, that would listen to you when you had an issue or something was going on, the person that was concerned about your success, that was showing you love, that is the person that you were drawn to. So we know that this works, that if we're showing love one to another, that it will cause everyone around us to grow and to be more successful. In 16 he says, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, if you remember in the 13th, he says you're called into freedom. The thing about freedom is freedom doesn't say this is how you have to live. Freedom says these are the options that you have. And our desire is for you to follow the option that will be most beneficial to you spiritually, physically and emotionally. That is, but you don't have to do that. That's the responsibility of freedom, that you have the option of not doing it. Now, most of us would say, well, I'd rather just, it be a bunch of rules, a bunch of regulations, and, and, and I just had to follow these, and then I know where I'm right. But that's not how God operates. God created each one of us individually but he's connected us so that we can assist each other in our growth. Paul used the analogy of that we're, a, we're like the body. We have many members, but 
We're one body. So what we do affects one another. The decisions that we make affect one another. And so he says in 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, if every one of us sat down in front of someone and someone said, do you want to do good or you want to do bad? What would most of us say? You want to do good. But now, if we filmed you doing stuff and didn't tell you we were filming you, guess what? Your words might not match your actions. You tell folks, I want to do good. You tell folks, I want to do right. But when you actually do things, sometimes they're not good. Like who ate the last oatmeal raisin cookie when they know it was mine? And it, folks be having crumbs on their mouth and they look like they ain't even heard what you said. Who ate the last bit of homemade vanilla ice cream that's supposed to go with my oatmeal raisin cookie and got all white all around their face and act like they want to do good. Paul brought that out in the Romans. He said, you know, I, I, my desire, I, I want to do good, but evil is always present. Evil is always pushing me. And this is the same thing that he's bringing out here. He's saying, listen. In my heart, I want to do good, but because my flesh is selfish and only wants to do things for itself, I want the oatmeal cookie. I know it's somebody else's, but I want it. So I'm going to take it because ain't nobody looking right now. We don't think about this end result that the person going to come looking for their oatmeal raisin cookie. If you don't like oatmeal raisin, that's good. God bless you. That's just more for me. But all right. So as we look and as we're going through this, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, then you're not under the law. Remember, the law is ruled. The law revealed how incapable we are of living this life that God has called for us to live. It showed that we have to have a dependency on God, and that is through Jesus Christ in order to be in right standing with God. So we have to get our priorities readjusted and set up so that we can operate as God has desired for us to operate. Verse number 20, 19 says, But now the works of the flesh are evident. You know, uh, sometimes folks be trying to explain to you this is how we do good and this is how we do bad and these are the things and, and we don't catch it. And so now what Paul's getting ready to do, he's getting ready to say, this is what operating in the flesh looks like. And then he's going to show the contrast and say, this is what operating in the spirit looks like. So in that 19th verse he says, now the works of the flesh 
are evident. This is the validation. This is the proof. Y'all know y'all been watching court TV when y'all be watching Law and Order and stuff. And the person to pull up something and say, I want to put this into evidence. This is to validate their point. This is what he's saying. I want to show you what it is or what it looks like to validate this point. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And then he still ain't done. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So these ain't, these ain't just it. It's stuff like this. And if you look at every one of these things, because could, we could go into it, but it would take us a, a couple minutes to finish it up. But every one of these things is all about us doing things to gratify ourselves gratify ourselves whether it's drinking whether it's sleeping around whether it's messing around with other folks that we shouldn't be messing with doing things that will cause other folks to be in a a, a bad state he says in 21 he says and things like these i warn you as i've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So starting from that 19th through that 21st verse, he's bringing out all these points so that you can see what it looks like to walk in the flesh. And as I said, he's doing a comparison and a contrast. So now he brings out, but the fruit of the spirit is, what's the first word? Love. Now, us country folk, we like to put an S on everything. And so when you look at this, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. When you hear a lot of folks say it, you hear them say the fruits of the Spirit. But it's no, it's one Spirit. It's one fruit that is based upon the Spirit. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And all these are under the canopy of love. So I want to take a couple of seconds to talk about these. I didn't want to spend all that time on the flesh stuff. because. But let's talk about, so the first thing is love. And we talked about love is us expressing this kindness, this gentleness, this uh, love towards one another. Isn't that what he said? You should love your neighbor as yourself. Joy is not based upon necessarily what is going on, but joy is knowing that there is something greater. There is a hope that you have because of God being in your life. Peace is having this divine confidence. Uh, Paul says that God will give us this peace that passes all, all understanding, whereby when everything else is crazy going on around you, you still have this ability 
to not be all stressed out about it, you are able to say, I have confidence that God is going to work this out for my benefit and his glory, no matter how it looks. Patience. Patience is this endurance, this ability to have this confidence that God is working it out and not to get angry at the folks that are coming in that are acting contrary to what you are trying to have happen. Kindness. Kindness is looking at how we treat one another. Treating people like we want to be treated. One of my friends always says it's nice to be nice. Goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of these are about how we look at and interact with other people. Remember that we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we are always looking at helping our neighbor to become successful in achieving what God has ordained for them to do and to become. And so as we're moving forward and as we're looking at this, he says, against such things, again, there is no law. There is no set of rules in this is how you have to look when you're showing love to somebody because everybody's different. Some folks, you show love by doing things for them. Some folks, you show love by doing things with them. Some things, some folks, you show love just by being there with them. There is this, uh, this book called The Five Love Languages. And in this book, The Five Love Languages, it talks about how you show other folks love. Some folks are shown love by physical touch. They always, you know, the folks you call touchy-feely kind of folks, they always, that's how they show love, by always touching on you and, and, and you know, wanting to encourage you and hug you and all these other things. Some folks just want to have quality time. They just want to spend time together. Some folks want you to be there and do things for them. Some folks just our uh, love language is words of encouragement where they always you know they always want you to give them a word get tell them that they're doing good so understanding this we know that there is no set rule in how we express these fruit of the spirit now the significant thing about this is when you accept Christ in your life guess what the fruit of the spirit is in your life but if for anything to grow it has to be cultivated and so we have to operate we have to move in operating in these characteristics that are the fruit of the spirit and then our final verse for today and it says and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Remember, as I said earlier, that the desire of the flesh is to be all about itself. The flesh wants it all about us, about itself, while the spirit wants it to be all about the entire group, the entire entity. That is 
the, the, the contrast that they have. That's why it says that the spirit fights against the flesh and the flesh fights against the spirit because they're totally opposite in their focus and in their desire to be successful or to achieve success in the life of the individual. The flesh desire is to do everything that will make it feel good. While the spirit wants to make those that are around them feel good and better. Which now takes us to the sticky note. The sticky note is the point that I want to uh, emphasize in order for us to grab hold of the message from today. And the sticky note uh, for this week is simply this. You have the freedom to live godly. You have the freedom to live godly. You have the freedom to live godly. And if you remember when we started out, I said the thing about freedom is it is not a directive, meaning this is how you operate in freedom. It is the responsibility that you have to operate in freedom. You can do it or you can choose not to do it. It is your choice. However, if you want to be godly and to live godly and to reflect God in your life, then this is what you do. You operate in the fruit of the Spirit. You love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love is the principal thing. We want to operate in a manner that gives God preeminence in our lives so that folks will know that there has been a change in our lives. As you begin to operate in a godly fashion, it causes you to have a different perspective in how you interact with folks. How many of y'all are, are folks that just like to slap folks? Don't raise your hand. All right. How many of y'all, you know, you just get mad and just want to knock somebody's block off is, is, the, is the expression that was used before. How many of us, but as you start walking in a godly manner, you start realizing how I don't want to slap the person like I used to want to slap them. Maybe I just want to punch them in the forehead. I'm just kidding. I'm just, but you start realizing, you start having this level of restraint and you say that, you know what, that wouldn't give glory to God if I knocked this person off their feet. That, that, you know, and you start realizing that this, there's some changes going on in me. Guess what? You have the freedom to do that, which means you become responsible to live like God in your life. Isn't that something? That you can be expressive in your outward interaction to show folks that I have God in my life. I've heard some folks say some things like, if it wasn't for God in my life, you'd be dead right now. Now, there's some, 
there, there's some there's some issues that I have. I know the person trying to be honest, but there's some issues that I have with that because it still sounds like you got murder in your heart. You're just probably thinking about everybody going to be watching you. You know what I'm saying? But the goal is that we don't want to have this murderous desire in our heart or in our mind. We want to show the love of God in everyone that we interact with. I used to have this thing where I used to tell folks, I don't, I, you know, when I get mad at folks, I beat them up in my mind. I said, and then my friend was talking to me, he said, you know, that still sound bad. I said, well, I, got, I guess I do need to work on that, huh? He said, yeah, you need to work on that. So I had to start getting it. I, okay, I can't even beat them up in my mind. I just need to be praying for them. You know, so you have to do things. But my point is, you have the freedom. You have the liberty. You have the ability to choose to live godly. There's nothing stopping you. Well, they said this to me, but that don't stop you from utilizing your freedom to live godly. We don't let folks control us. We let the Spirit of God lead us and guide us so that we can be an influence to those that are around us. So, the sticky note for this week is you have the freedom to live godly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to look into your word and to see how contrasting that the works of the flesh are to the fruit of the Spirit. And Father, because we have accepted Christ in our lives and your Spirit dwells in us, that we actually have access to this fruit. Let us have a mind that will move forward and cultivate that love and that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness. That we will do those things that will give you glory in all things. That we will touch others' lives by living a life that gives you glory. So we thank you, God, for your word and for it falling upon the good soil of our hearts. That it will gain much root and that we will follow it thereby. We thank you for the freedom to live godly. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.